Need more context on your favorite movie? Is Obama. Obama, As okay. Senator Obama. Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is, Perfect this is quality entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. The following is a DFAT Entertainment Podcast, recorded and edited by Jake Duell. Welcome back to the campfire. Oh, it's it's nice to be here. It's it's warm. I love- it is. It is. I mean, you are in California, but just for your reference, it is snowing in Rochester today. I thought you guys were having better weather, but it is still April. And I will say it did rain last night here. So, so it was like 70 a week ago. Monday, I mowed my lawn. Today, there was snow on the ground when I woke up. Saturday, it's supposed to be 60 again. Yay. You color me unsurprised. I mean, there, there's definitely in the top five reasons why I moved to California. So You get more consistent weather there, I would assume. I don't, I don't even have to look at the weather. That's the thing oh, most that, of the time. That's Unless, nice. I can't. I can't say for the month I spent inside because of smoke, but um, there are some benefits to nice weather. <laughs> I, I do have to say one of the weirder things that happened was last year when you guys had those really bad wild fires. Um, the way the jet stream works, it actually blew the smoke all the way into Rochester, and I got some funky photos like of the sun being obscured by the smoke that was in the air. And it mystifies me that that made it all the way to Rochester, New York. So. Yeah. A lot of, there was a lot of alien esque landscapes out here. It was very eerie and hopefully something that, well, I'm sure it's going to happen because we're about to go into a drought, but fingers crossed, but for now we'll enjoy, we'll enjoy the fire, the campfire. (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, it, we're not making an actual campfire anywhere in California because that could start a forest fire. We're not doing any um, birth announcements using explosives or anything that could cause a forest fire like that. Those are all very appreciated, Jake. I don't want to have to explain anything to my wife about what the house burned down. So virtual campfire is great. <laughs> well, uh, you know, before we get into our do- our darker main topic today, I, I did want to talk about something lighter. So I now have a song that I listen to almost every time before I get on a podcast. I usually come down a couple minutes early to make sure I use an my own webcam and you know i've got this external mic and there's this song we all got lost by spose and i don't know how it happened but it has become my like before a podcast song and then when i was on youtube listening to it i was like oh if chris doesn't jump on right away one of my recommended songs is in the 90s by little dicky maybe i'll listen to that <laughs> next so i listened to awkward white rap <laughs> before starting the podcast it's your anthem. That reminds me of of listening to to gangster rap before going out and playing soccer. That was always my thing. So, yeah, you know, I've always had an interest in awkward white rap, and I will say, like, 
Spose is a little bit more legit. Him and Watsky are a little bit more legit. But then you've got little Dicky, who's his own thing. And then you get into the uh, nerdcore stuff. MC Lars, uh, MC Front a lot. And I used to like those guys, but I'm like, those guys are way out there on the rap scene too. So, yeah, I I've also found that rap is becoming definitely for the younger generations more and more these days. Um, and it's just, I I try to get my nephews to, to listen to '90s gangster rap instead of trap and stuff like that. Uh, you mean mumble rap doesn't do it for you? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh God, it's horrible. It's literally rap that they don't. They're saying words, but they say so low that you can't. And like people make fun of it because uh, it's it got really popular for a while, then it disappeared. It, it didn't stay on the scene that long. It seems like. I just I, I felt like everything just went to that club environment and what you can bounce bounce around to and and just no substance. So I I I am not impressed with with most of the hip hop these days unfortunately there's some good stuff i mean i love i love black thought um you know and 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 the stuff that he comes up with uh and just the skill the skill rapper uh but i think that there's a lot of a lot of posers out there <laughs> i mean there's yeah. I, I like um hopson i don't know mm-hmm. if he's put anything out in a while but his stuff um and I mean, Childish Gambino is always good, oh, too. Yeah. I mean, there is some good stuff out there. But then, you know, the popular stuff's like Cardi B, Megan the Stallion, the type of stuff, which is its own type of rap, but it's just not what I like. I I will I will confess this. I, I'm a big rock and roll guy, heavy metal sometimes, especially when I drive. But now all I listen to is classical music. I can't I can't do anything else when I drive, especially out here. It's insane. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm an alt rock guy. You know, um, I'm a huge 21 Pilots fan. I'm so excited for their next album. Um, I saw them a bunch of times before they got popular in venues that seated like 150 people where like Tyler would literally like spread his hands and the crowd would split and he'd just walk through the crowd singing songs. So like love them. I wish I it'll never happen, but get to see them in that type of venue again. Um, but then I am also a classical person or soundtrack stuff. I like, you know, putting on John Williams radio or, um, I always butcher his name, Eno Morricone. That's pretty good. That's pretty close. So his stuff, uh, you know, a good soundtrack based off classical music is always good. Yeah. I've been a big soundtrack guy my entire life, probably thanks to star Wars. Um, especially that just, I don't know. I just, and I played violin for seven years. So it's always, it's always been something I enjoyed uh, just having a, a broad, broad range of musical interests. Yeah. Alt, right, alt, right, alt, right. Let's uh, change topics here to our main topic today. And that is the radicalization of geek culture. Um. It's something that's very scary going on. And, you know, when we planned this a month ago, you know, we were talking about the Star Warriors, our Star Wars podcast, and how it seems like more and more of the alt-right and that side is trying to invade Star Wars. And it just kind of sent me down this rabbit hole of research. But then something happened that I need to bring up before we go into Star Wars or any other topic. Um, There was a shooting at a FedEx facility just this weekend, and um, I have not kept it a secret that my daughter has become obsessed with My Little Pony, but shortly before the shooting, um, the guy posted something like, I hope Applejack is there to meet me in heaven. Life would be worthless without Applejack. Well, Applejack is one of the My Little Pony main characters. And that started a whole Twitter discussion about the radicalization of brony culture. Um, And that really proved to me that radicalization can happen in any culture. A show that's called Friendship is Magic radicalized a mass shooter? (laughs) That just is mystifying. It's it's interesting. Uh, 
I'm going to bring up I'm going to bring up an interesting point of kind of the I guess evolution of our digital age and computers and communication, right? So, growing up, I mean, I we didn't have internet until like true internet, right? Until late '90s, uh, where people are starting to really IM and all that stuff and get on and 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 play games with each other and, and everything like that. Right. So there wasn't this mass communication thing out there. And regardless of that, um, as a kid, I came from a very small town. And so growing up, there was a lot, of, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of racism in that town because it's a small white town in Western New York with very little minorities that go to the school. And we're lucky because we were actually a city school and we had minorities, but say like my wife grew up in the town next to us and there was like maybe like one or two in the whole school, right? So growing up, we didn't have that kind of like, I guess, ability. Everything was kind of out in the forefront where if you're going to bully somebody, it's their face. Um, you're going to, you're going to call them like, I guess, uh, you're going to, you're going to use a racial slur at them. You're going to use, you're going to do all this stuff in the, in their face. Now we're facing this thing where everything has been digitized, where nobody's leaving their house. Everybody can hide behind a keyboard. And now these kids, even younger and younger have exposed, are exposed to that opposed to say where we started being exposed. Well, I started being exposed to it in the late nineties. Um, you know, as, as a, as a high schooler, uh, I can't even imagine having that kind of realm of communication and then having that kind of hate, uh, exist, uh, just, just at such a young age. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I'm in that transitional generation. Mm-hmm. Um, also got the internet sometime in the nineties. I remember having it at, in elementary school before having it at home, we had dial up in my house probably by like 97, 98. So it was about seven <laughs> or eight when we had dial up. Um, I remember playing Warcraft 3 online in the early 2000s, like Angel Arena, Tower Defense stuff, but I didn't chat at all. I don't even know if it had chat built into it other than text chat. I don't think it had voice chat. And then, you know, I had the internet, um, but I wasn't a huge internet user in that, like, I did MySpace, but I wasn't going on to the forums. You know, I didn't hit, I don't know when Reddit came out, but I didn't really hit Reddit till it was popularized. I, I wasn't on any of the, the chans or any of that stuff where more of that type of content was happening. Um, I think it was like the generation just after mine that came of age as that stuff was getting popular. I was a little bit just before for that where I was too young to be involved in that stuff when it was developing and then too old to be in that stuff when it was developing because it was already established by that point. Exactly. And I think that's, I think that's a really good point about where we have this massive resurfacing of, of, of this hate and, and prejudice now, and it's coming to a real I guess a real high point because I think finally it's been setting in for the last couple of decades slow, slowly. And it's and the magnitude of it now has spun out of control and we're going to get, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that in the individual fandoms, but I just feel <clears throat> that as much as we've learned with this technology, I think it's also kind of spun us into this, into this dark web of uh, the ability to build these online uh, recruitment, recruitment, I want to say agencies, but recruitment groups and whatnot for these, these, these poor kids who, A, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, we knew, you know, if, if you were picked on there, you were picked on in person, you're picked on at school, they didn't have the reach to get you in your house. Now it's like, these kids are bullied at, at their house, they're bullied over their phone, they're bullied everywhere. So now you have these kids <clears throat> and Unfortunately, you know, when they when they are lured in by these people who act as if they're going to be their friends and this this safe space, and then they start to brainwash them in the ways that they want to. It's just you can see why it's 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 becoming such a ramp, you know, ramp problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, like 
I think about it and just thinking back on internet culture now, we've got, you know, doxing as a thing. Um, in video game culture, you've got swatting where you literally call the a fake SWAT or fake bomb threat in and have the SWAT team show up at people's houses. Uh, and then I wasn't, you know, I had heard about it, but didn't really research it. And then I watched the QAnon documentary on HBO recently. And, you know, I don't want to get into QAnon too much, but I realized how much Gamergate was kind of that door swinging open to these more extremes now like QAnon is it a direct relationship to Gamergate because QAnon blew up on 8chan and 8chan was created by uh, Fred and I'm blanking on his last name who was a Gamergate person who's kind of changed his views since then and has left 8chan behind but wow was that a huge door swinging open to a lot of the radicalization we're seeing now. Yeah, it, that's and that's the big thing. All these, and it was, what was it? It was Comicgate, Pizza, Pizzagate? Uh, Pizzagate was, it, was, was that more just... part of early, it was pre-QAnon, but it was this belief that there was this pizza parlor in D.C. that had an underground tunnel that's... that was trafficking children all coming back to one of Podesta's emails um, about ordering pizza. And they said that that was a term for the Democratist least elite ordering children as slaves or something. Okay. That's a different conversation then. Um, yeah, that, that's a different conversation. <laughs> pizza gate. That's, that's, that's what that is. That's right. And Hillary Clinton's pizza shop. And yeah, and all yeah, that exactly. Stuff, right. Um, but as we go, as we go on from Gamergate, which I, I found about, you know, I wasn't really into video gaming and that culture too much until uh, after after that, and I really kind of realized what that was. And I, honestly, for me, it's funny because I didn't I didn't really pay attention that close, and I was and you heard about it, you heard about the comic stuff that was happening, and as as an avid comic reader and collector, and I you know, you, you hear about these things, but you don't, if you don't look into them, you're not really real, realizing the severity, severity of the level. And that's when I believe, you know, <clears throat> remember when that kid um, called up Pablo Hidalgo, right? And, uh, and I shared that and I was like, oh, look, what's that? Go ahead. Star Wars theory. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then that whole, that whole thing where you showed me like the connections and stuff like that. Um I, I had no idea like what was happening. And then I started to follow one of those accounts, um, the ones that were like looking after all these all of these occurrences and, and kind of chasing down guilty parties online. And it was just it's kind of it is a rabbit hole, but at the same time, it's just it's it's like this war that's going on out there. Yeah, and to just focus on Star Wars theory for a second, uh, you know, I used to watch his show on youtube quite a bit there was something that always irked me a little bit about him but then when he became a huge um he became like one of those huge they're gonna redo the last jedi and redo rise of skywalker fan guys and i don't like rise of skywalker but i'm not calling for them to redo it right and i was like something bothers me about him but i I can't really place it. And then he did that show with the two guys that, you know, have more extreme views. And what bothers me is I still can't tell because if he intentionally did the show with these guys, knowing they're more extreme views, or he was that ignorant of researching who he was in working with in their extreme views and bringing some of his viewers lightly into these extreme views which could potentially radicalize them it's something that bothers me about joe rogan i like some of the people joe rogan interviews i don't listen to his show often but i do listen to some of his episodes but then he does have more extreme views on and he doesn't really challenge them when he just kind of goes with it so yeah and that's and that's the thing too. I mean, every 
there's a huge difference between accepting somebody if they're conservative or if they're if they're Republican, then there is an extreme somebody with extreme views or who claims to be part of that fall in with what they believe is the alt right, you know, and, and have those views. And that's and that's the that's the line we need to draw is that this country can be full of different people and different views, but uh, and different opinions. But when your opinion puts down other people and tries to and tries to take them out of society, basically, and and just beat them down every day, there's there's a there's a big difference there between uh, between politics and extremism and i think that's i think that's an important thing too um because that when you have people on that side of the fence when they're attacked they use they use all of those all of the defenses out there that that uh is in their repertoire so it's just it's 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 kind of it's kind of a gray area sometimes i think because um then you get into like true accusations of saying that's who you are why why are you like this don't listen to this person but like you said if he innocently did it that's one thing if he's a part of the whole ring i don't know we can never say that or not but that's like where where does that start to actually surface that's kind of my question so you have these outlier groups that that are have more extreme extreme views uh they're talking about this fandom stuff but where where does this recruiting start? You know, that's, that's my question. And what are the signs? So I personally think, and, and, you know, I was trying to find more on this because I've heard some people talk on this before um, that the radical views that are out there hunt out pop culture and try to adopt pop culture into their radical views in order to um, bring people to start exploring, like, hey, I, I like this guy. He's talking about Star Wars, per se. And, you know, oh, you know, I'm getting recommended another one of his videos on the algorithm. And now he's talking about white identity politics. And he just slowly, like, brings you down this rabbit hole using Star Wars as the door. I mean, I, I went through it and, you know, I've got some other examples you know there was the my little pony guy um but one that stuck out early and it, it's not as pop culture but do you remember um chris cantwell he was one of the charlotteville rioters he said something like um i can't believe ivanka would marry a jewish man why would a beautiful woman like that do that and now he was caught crying on camera and i'm pretty sure he's in jail now um he was on the colbert report at one point Hmm. in he wasn't a contributor but he was a one of the people they interviewed because he had a group that in his small town went around bothering meter maids that were giving tickets to people who their meter ran out on and it was a, treated as a joke and you can't blame colbert for thinking that was funny but that guy got radicalized somewhere along the line from that meter thing to this and you know, sometimes I feel like people don't do their full research to the same thing as Star Wars theory. Even if he did it accidentally, those views were out there from those guys. He should have been able to tell that those guys held the views they held. It shouldn't have been news to him. Perhaps. But he Perhaps. didn't do his research. Right. And I, I guess that's the biggest thing because I'll admit, like, I, I really had as a as a huge guy like a huge fandom guy who's been following the news and and running a website for almost a decade i had i didn't really understand the levels of it either until until more recently when we've all started really kind of talking about it and it's just it's the it just kind of blows my mind away because it just just to have the fact that there there's that that level of praying on on these on these 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 i don't want to i guess these poor souls i'll call them because um a it starts with education which i'd, I'd like to talk about um in a, in a second here but and then it, it's it's also about like it's all about like that 
do you have, are they are they bullied do they not have friends and they can just get pulled in and and sucked in and and that's and that's and that's what the that's what the scary part to me i don't who who's involved it's you know like i said who knows if how how involved some of these guys are than others and how do they get handed down to like the main the main i guess showrunners or the the main extremists i how far how far down is is there a like like is there a ladder you know that's that's what i don't get because say say for example um so say breitbart throws money at at some of these productions right and and the goal is is an underlying goal is is x and so they have to get as many as many of these people recruited but this is this is a huge operation so it can't just be these these radio jockeys right they're 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 the skin who's behind them that's that's my real question are they directly involved with these cells are they just bringing like i it's it's it blows my mind kind of just to think about uh how this happens yeah i i don't even Oh man, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. Like in some of the stuff that I've researched, you know, I found where little cells kind of adopt a pop culture. And, you know, this even goes back to pre-internet times. Like, so one of the earliest ones that's out there is Norse mythology. Um, You know, Norse mythology to me is absolutely interesting. Amazing. It spawned the Thor comics. Uh, It spawned an amazing Neil Gaiman book and was a huge part of American gods. Um, but it has been also completely taken by the alt-right and they created the Astreu religion, which is a white identity religion. Um, they've claimed this as their Aryan religion and elders and all this stuff. And, you know, I think it's to me odd because I don't think a single one of them has ever read the norris myths um because odin's wisdom is their downfall they are combined cultures that interact with people that are unlike them they sleep with frost giants which are a completely different race it's not this pure white identity thing and yes loki is the villain but there's also other villainous gods in the realm and i'm like you've just absorbed this and take the pieces you like. And I mean, I think that goes all the way back to, you know, how Tolkien made Norris mythology popular again, because he used it as a lot of the basis and they're like, Oh, this is popular. You know, we're going to use this popular item to try to bring more people in. And you can actually fast forward to the Nazis directly with a swastika. Swastika was a, was a symbol of peace, prosperity, or something like that, and they 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 ruined they bastardized that. They they did a lot of they did it more than just with the swastika. There's a ton of different examples, but this <clears throat> claiming of of certain cultures and claiming of aspects of that and and changing what it means and and making it their own. That's been happening for, like you just said, it's been happening for so long. Beyond, you know, for centuries probably, and this is, this isn't. I guess, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I'm just kind of surprised at the, the level of it and just the ease of it now, um, and it's much more than just trying to wipe races off the face of the earth. It's now, it's it's this hidden, almost like this 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 set like terrorist cell basically, <clears throat> and what I really want to just kind of mention is. I think it comes, you know, it really just comes down in this country and across the world. It just comes down to education and the fact that, A, we don't put enough money into it. B, it's not standardized enough to really cover uh, enough topics. And when you look at, say, what the North versus the South is teaching, it's that's a complete joke if you're teaching different things in this country. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, when we get into conspiracy philosophy corner in a little bit, I'm going to be presenting a philosophical part from the book I just finished, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century by uh, Yuval Harari. And uh, he has a whole chapter about education and how we need to change education for the 21st century. And he really um, promotes that 
we, we shouldn't be teaching to these standardized tests and skills because he's also like, well, you know, you're teaching coding to your kid. Who knows if you're going to be using Python in 15 years when they hit the job market? He said that we should really be teaching children the four C's. And I don't remember all four off the top of my head, but the two that stuck out were creativity and critical thinking. I don't, we aren't teaching people to think for themselves, which I think is part of how people are brought into radicalization because they're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I mean, I remember as a teenager having some more radical views because I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And then as I got more educated and kind of got out of the standard education system of high school and into the more open education system of college, my views changed and my thought processes changed too. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And when I say, I guess when I say standardized education, I'm not, I'm not speaking to the way it's set up now with standardized testing and stuff like that. I, I, I feel like we, I know we haven't changed our education system in, in, in a long, long time and it needs a revamp and it needs to, it needs to apply to today's world. Uh, well, also, you know, making sure that people have liberal arts as well, because I think liberal arts is important and they and there's a major initiative to try to push that out of out of education and say, you should be doing this direct thing. You should always be doing this. But if you don't have that, I've I've learned that you're not really broadening your horizons. You're not seeing things from a different view. And I think that's the one thing about education that's important is, like you said, the creativity, critical thinking side of it. Um, there's, there's just so many ways to really kind of inspire people to do things. And the way we're doing it now is not working, obviously. Yeah. And when you said standardized, I didn't think you meant the standardized test. I thought you meant like, you know, whether you're in Texas or California or Oklahoma, you're getting relatively the same education, which is not happening today. I mean, that's why the education rankings are out there. And what, when Alabama was, you know, going through the Ray Moore stuff. I remember the statistics coming out like 45th in the country for healthcare, 49th in the country for education. And I'm like, that's sad that, you know, just based on where you're living, you might not get a good enough education to be. I mean, this is going to be old terms because it's not really a thing anymore, but more than a coal miner. That's what they're teaching you to be. You know, maybe the future is an electric battery manufacturing line worker that I don't know that could be the future or something, but they're not, they're teaching you the skills to get into the workforce, but not to advance in the workforce. And I think that's, you know, there, there's more than just a, a color issue. There's definitely a color issue, but there's also a class issue, you know, a poor white person in rural Alabama isn't going to be, educationally that different than a poor black person in chicago maybe worse true maybe worse and that's the thing too is like i i would feel like that person in chicago would be exposed to more more real life things than somebody who's in in like in the middle of alabama and just like on 20 acres of land with nobody around them and i don't mean i'm sorry to interrupt i just i just it makes me think about that whole the salon shooting in in Georgia and those in those in those random in those not random those were totally planned killings um, and these and these angry white kids like they're why are they angry because their families are poor because because they come from generations of of being poor and maybe uneducated and it's just and they're not getting anywhere and they see the world's changing around them. And things are getting better for minorities. The minority is not going to be a minority much longer. That white people will be the minority. So it's this, it's, it is this, I think this last rally and this fear of generational white people that they're losing control. And then when they lose control, that's when they're kind of put in a corner and well, you know what happens to dogs when they're put in a corner. So, yeah, I think there is this, you know, view that you know oh things were better for me back in the day you know my great 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 grandfather had it better and i'm like you know 
in most cases, your great, 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 great grandfather probably wasn't a rich plantation owner. And now you're a poor person working fields in Mississippi or something. Your great, great grandfather had it just as bad as you did. You know, the American dream in a way is partially a lie or only existed from like 1940 to 1960. A lot of, and the middle class only really ex- existed truly during that time. And we're seeing the decline of that as now happening now. Um, on top of that, you know, if you want a, an analogy for radicalization, there's a show that Hulu put out called Monsterland, which I did a review of for Don't Forget a Towel. And one of the episodes, I think it's called like Shadow People or something. I, I don't know the exact name, but is about online radicalization of person using monsters as an analogy for how people get radicalized online. What's it called again? Uh, the show is called Monsterland. Monsterland. The actual episode, I'm blanking on the exact title, but it was like episode two or three of the season. Okay. So check that out. I think, you know, while talking about this, both being Star Wars fans, we need to focus on Star Wars a little bit. Um, because I think Star Wars has a built-in radicalization problem to it. Um, from the heroizing of certain people um, to the fact that it used in the right way, the rebels could be used to radicalize people to the point that Timothy McVeigh thought he was Luke Skywalker. Like, that's a dangerous view, but I can see where that's pulled from at the same time. I can, and I'll just make light, a little light of it. But then I've, I'll just argue they've never watched Revenge of the Sith. So in that aspect, I always kind of, that's my argument against them and, and just their confusion of, of the themes. Um, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous to me. Uh, and it just... It goes back to the the not being really educated and being fearful and just you make you just are all these ideas are driven into your head. You make this you create this whole narrative and that's what happens. You know, it's and that's the sad thing. And Timothy McVeigh is one of the best examples and one that should be like completely used over and over as an example of what could happen again. And the fact that, like you said, with Star Wars, it was allowed to brew. It was allowed to stew. It was allowed to sit there and just get stronger and stronger because they did not come out and take a stance at first. They did not defend people. They just, they were, they acted unaware of what was going on within their own fandom, even though their own act, their own stars were getting bullied off uh, social media, uh, review bombing all this garbage out there and it's just it it i i want to say that if if they would have hit it at that point when it was really starting to happen especially around the last jedi a little bit probably you know before that even i just i just feel like it would have been something that would have been addressed and probably it would still be there but it wouldn't have been out of control it is as it is now yeah, and I mean, there's people out there on the more right side that have been trying to use Star Wars to bring people in. I know Alex Jones does it. I know Dave Rubin does it. They're both like, ah, oh, have you ever seen Star Wars? And I'm like, have you guys ever seen Star Wars? But it was also really scary around what happened with the sequel trilogy from the, like, not my Luke movement. And I understand there's people that don't agree with what happened with Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. I think it was an amazing storyline. I think it fit the character if you're looking at the overall arc. But, you know, how can my farm boy hero be this beaten down guy now? Like, My only issue with that is that when you when you bring up Luke, a white hero, I just I can't I can't feel the same, I guess, kind of level of comparison to, say, calling calling um ray and mary sue or whatever and, and that whole that whole movement because for me the looks i like what they did and i and i'll argue it all day both both sides but for me it didn't it goes against like i can argue why i don't like that luke and i can say not my luke and that's my opinion but i'm not going to go and bully people over it or tell you you're wrong or anything like that 
But the difference, I think, between that and, say, the Ray thing, where all of a sudden, oh, wait, why is why is this woman, why is she, why is she the main focus of this story? Why is this not a male now? I think that's more of it there. Um, the Luke thing... The Luke thing is is a gray area too because that 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 got I think that got abused, um, and I think that was actually used in a way uh, to kind of propel this uh, to make it look more innocent. And because there's plenty of arguments in that side, but this hate on hate on Ray, hate on Kelly Marie Tran, all of that stuff that's that's where it really just started to like just be like vomit, vomit all over social media. Oh, yes, I will agree. Luke was the lightest of it. And that's why I started there, because I wanted to then go into um, Kelly Marie Tran. The fact that um, John Boyega Finn never told Ray he was force sensitive, uh, probably because, oh, we we can't have a black Jedi that might piss off the fan base. Mace Windu. um, Come on, guys. Like, really? and then Ray, the whole thing that happened with her, and even the fact that people are like, so so much of the Mary Sue thing happened that I think that's why the whole she's a Palpatine got swung into it was, you know, oh, well, she's so f- powerful because she's the granddaughter, but actually daughter because it was a clone of the Emperor. Yeah. I think The Last Jedi was a bad movie but that's a different story you mean rise of skywalker or, sorry yep yeah, rise of skywalker was a bad movie i think the last jedi was a good movie but yeah, yeah sorry no it's fine i just i know your opinion so i just want to make sure that nobody came after you for that one yes so. yeah that rise of skywalker was a, a bad movie <laughs> but yeah i also think disney's not doing enough to um tackle these more extreme views that are popping up in the fandom and defend the actors that they cast for a reason, the stories they created for a reason and that they're changing. They're changing based on the whims of Twitter trolls, which aren't the true fans. And that, and that was what really caused the problem was that shift in, in the fandom that they that was caused by this underlying evil, um, and I'm not going to say that the result wasn't good either. All right, because there was some things like we said, we're not happy with a lot of things that happened in the sequel trilogy. It moves to the Mandalorian. It moves to better better people being in control of knowing what's happening and, and writing these stories. That's one thing, but the fact, like you said, that they didn't do anything straight up. Uh, and really, really addressed the issue because they felt that they were wrong, that they had to defend the the their fans, and they were not looking at the fans in the correct groupings. They were looking at it as a whole, and they're like, "Oh, this is a huge war between two sides of the fandom." When really, there's three sides of the fandom, or maybe more, you know. But that fandom menace is not one half of the fandom. There's people that have some views that agree with these people but not the not the dark dark views but they're the ones pushing these these core star wars purist views and then mixing them up with this 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 anti-feminist uh racial bullshit that that gets thrown online so i mean i think it's interesting how much they defended gina for such a long time right right. how much I mean, initially when all the stuff started, I was like, I don't agree with her views, but as long as she's getting along with the cast and nothing's happening, there's no reason for her to be fired. I think, you know, within our group of people, I was one of the last people to jump on the fire her bandwagon that was happening. But there was a certain point that I reached that I'm like, no, she's doing more than just posting political views that... I don't agree with. She's getting to the point where this content is dangerously misinformed. Right. She's going on these shows with these with these these personalities on the on the alt right. She's she's making friends with them. She's gathering their fandom behind her. And so that's 
that's a problem. And that's that's called radicalization. That's called building an army and going against the the common good. And that's not that's not rebellion. That's the that's the that's the separatists. You know, that's that that is that is like that means you don't even watch Star Wars, in my opinion, because you have no idea what it's even about. Could you go yeah, back that, to that? That so is simple. the marketing department of the empire that you're working right? for. How do we radicalize these people? How do we get them to turn against the Jedi so quickly? It's crazy. I, it's it, it's sad because, you know what? These some of these kids are really impressionable, and it's like you said, it's they're they're young. They don't, they don't have maybe a good family life. They don't have a good education, and they're just they're looking for something, right? And that's it. And then they find this group, they're brought in. They feel like it's they're part of something. And then when you hear something every day, when you start to really believe it, you believe it. And that's, and that's the point right there. And I just, there, there are wolves out there and there are sheep out there and we need to, we need to help these sheep, I think. And that's, and how do we do that? How do we, how do we prevent and how do we go and block more of this, this praying from happening? Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, one of the more interesting people I've listened to on this, and I've listened to his TED talk, and I think his Google talk is a guy named, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but it's Christian uh, Piccolino, I believe. He's a former white supremacist um, who has spoke up a lot about getting out of that culture. And, you know, he talks a lot about how he was an Italian kid on the streets who didn't have a great life. Um, and one day, you know, I think he stylizes it, but like this guy drove up in a car and, you know, came up to him and goes, kid, blah, blah, blah. You know, what's wrong. The colored people are out there taking your job. They're ruining your life. And he fell for it. And he got deep into the white supremacist movement. And what he says finally got him out of it was he opened a record store and he was one of the only record stores in America that was selling German skidhead music and that brought a lot of people in but his he had kind of been imbued with this thought process of never turn a customer away so he also sold rap music and music of you know people that he actually hated at the time and because he was running the store got to know these people and were like whoa 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 these things i've been told about these people don't match the people i'm meeting and that kind of broke him out of that and I know um, he, I think he runs a nonprofit now that is focused on bringing people out of these movements. I know that one of the more disappointing things under the Trump presidency early on was there's a couple of these groups that try to help bring people out of these movements. And Trump really focused on defunding those movements. Exactly. If you watch, if you put all the pieces of that puzzle together at the end and you see the steps that they took, uh, the Trump administration, Breitbart, all of these, all of these organizations that have a, a common goal, which is to break down, you know, American society as is and try to, you know, propel the white man again. I just, you see it and it's, it, and it was all intentional. And we, we, we said we we were set back for four years. We, we set our country back. I mean, decades, honestly. Oh yeah, it was more. Four years did more than four years worth of damage. Um, I mean, just look at what, the storming of the Capitol, and I think you know one of the more interesting things, and this is probably something to explore in another podcast. It would take a while to get into this. Is you know, I'm seeing the movement becoming less of a movement of color. And more of a movement of class. You start. I mean, there's still those severe uh, white groups that are out there. But I, I mean, I look at the Proud Boys, and I know they had a fracture because the group leader was actually half half Hispanic or something. And then when he got arrested, you know, another member of the group was like, "Oh, finally, we're getting the coloreds out of the group." And I'm like. What is going so they were even fracturing because like their movement wasn't it was and wasn't a white supremacist movement. 
that's you know that's the funny thing because that's what I learned about them too. I really was in the impression that they were, and then when that guy was arrested, I was like, wait a minute, this this doesn't add up. These guys, I feel like these guys are more. They're just they're just extremists. Um, they're just extremists on that side, and they just they. I guess what is the, it's I don't it's not libertarianism. It's 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 farther to the right even you know, and and that's the thing is people get their they get their views screwed up. And they get their, I guess, what they feel is important screwed up. And when when you're not making it day to day, it's easy to blame others for your shortcomings or what's not happening in to benefit you in your life. And that's always been what it is. It's always, what did you what did you do to me? Instead of picking yourself up by the bootstraps and saying, you know what, I can do better for myself. Instead they want to just blame other people for their problems. And it's that's, whole, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's scapegoating. It's not my fault no. that I didn't get this job. You know, it's it was affirmative action. It was affirmative action that I didn't get into college. It's the fact that an illegal immigrant came and took my job. You know, it, it's having someone else to blame for your woes. And that is unfortunately something that is not easy to get rid of. You have to, there's a lot of education that has to happen there. And part of that is, I think, philosophical education, which I'll use to transition us from this dark topic to conspiracy corner, which today is actually going to be philosophy corner. So as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I recently finished 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. It was written in 2018. I think it might be one of the most important books I probably read this year in the nonfiction category. Um, and I think everyone should read it. It's a mix of a history and philosophy book looking towards the future. And uh, he covers a lot of things, including radicalization and fake news and all that stuff. And I think that's super important. Um, but in the last two chapters, he covers um the self and then meditation. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the meditation chapter because I thought this is super interesting. Do you meditate at all? When I, I do, uh, I don't do it on a regular basis. It's something that I'd, I'd like to do. Uh, it's always something I've been interested in since I was very young. I was always interested in, in Buddhism uh, and that in Eastern philosophy and religion and, and different things like that. That was even before I realized that I knew I was Japanese uh, or part Japanese, which was kind of funny at the same time. Um, but I, I am very much into that, that side of things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's something I've been doing on and off for about two years now. I've tried to get into a routine on it. And every time I get the routine, I break it. Um, but now my goal is try to m meditate for five minutes a day. Um, and then afterwards, I bring my journal down with me and I just kind of write what comes out after it. But, uh, you know, when he's talking about meditation, it was really interesting because, you know, I, I tried to do meditation through the Headspace app. And Andy, who's this guy that runs the Headspace app, has an absolutely amazing voice. Um, I have a condition known as aphantasia. When I close my eyes and you tell me to visualize something, I can't visualize anything. It's purely black to me uh so when he tries to take these on these visualization journeys imagine a stream you're in a flower field i'm like yeah i got i got nothing so it doesn't do anything for me um what happens in D D with you it's all in my head but i don't see it <laughs> okay like at all it, it's i love D D, uh but you know having a board makes it a little bit easier for me but i don't really visualize it all Okay. Um, so with that, he, he was, Yuval was talking about this different type of meditation that really is just trying to focus on your breath and trying to be without thought, which is extremely difficult to do. And he said he meditates two hours a day. And then also he's a teacher. And during off time, he takes a one month meditation retreat, which is absolutely to me insane um you mean during his summer off yeah during his summer off uh because he's a college good professor it's good schedule yeah he's a college professor in israel 
Um, so, but one of the other things he was talking about in meditation, and I, it's been a, a thought that's kind of stuck with me, is he was talking about the mind versus the brain. And the mind is what he kind of defined as your thought process. And the brain is the organism that all your nerves connect to and controls your whole body regulation. And he kind of said, you know, we've always identified thought with the brain because you can hook up an EKG machine and see where your thoughts are coming from or what's flaring up because we can't prove that thoughts are truly from the brain and not part of just who you are. And like he goes, we haven't done a lot of research on the mind and thought process. And that's just kind of had me mystified to think about because I'm like, that's kind of true. Like we know the brain's the central nervous system. So you would think that that's where thoughts are, but like, we don't really know much about thoughts and how people think the way they do. We know how the brain works. And even there, we have a very low level understanding of how the brain works. I remember for years hearing, well, we only use 10% of our brain, which is scientific bullshit. We use way more than 10% of our brain, but I don't know. That just really set me off on a like really interesting thought process. So in a way, is it, it would it be more like accessing like accessing a um, the spirit realm in a way. I want to say spirit realm. I want to say maybe another plane of thought. Now I can't even say thought because we're trying to figure out what thought is, right? So another plane of existence that you could reach with your brain, if you can truly meditate and reach nirvana, right? Is that it? Is that what nirvana is? He was focusing more on it's a different level of understanding mm-hmm. that you have to understand yourself to be able to tackle the outside world. And a lot of people don't even understand their self and where their thoughts come from. Like I can tell you thoughts pop up and I'm like, huh, I wonder what caused that thought. I don't know where it came from. And he goes, a lot of people don't even stop to reflect on their breath and where their thoughts are even coming from. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's one thing because I think going into it, um, you have to, you have to remove yourself uh, and be able to block out everything so that you have that one, that one track, because in this world, it's so easy to be distracted. I mean, we have, now we have a phone in our, a computer in our pocket yeah. and it's like every five seconds I'm looking at my phone. So how do you how do you begin to do it? Can you go right into meditation? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, you're doing it the right way. You're taking the steps because eventually you train yourself and it's it becomes a habit. And I mean, doing it for two hours a day, that's pretty, pretty astounding, honestly. Um, but one of the biggest things that I try to remind myself as kind of to slow my brain down is that we're always trying to control our environment around us and we don't really have that ability. We can sometimes in our in our orbit, you know, more or less, but we, we as humans have like this very compelled, like, I guess, powerful uh, control factor. And we would, we need that. And that's the one thing, if you can let that go and realize that you you can only control your own thoughts and then move from there into a more deeper state. um, It's not, it's not an easy thing. I think it gets harder and harder for humans to even to even think about that uh, in the, in the, in the, in the day we live in. Yeah. And I, you know, I do enjoy meditation and I want to get back into it. So last time around that I did it, I reached a point where I could do a 30 minute meditation. And I remember one that I had because I had this realization that isn't a realization until you have it. And I was sitting there going, I have a skull and I could like, almost feel the bone that was in there and and you never really stop and think you go i have a skull you know like when you see a skeleton i have one of those inside of me and it was just like the weirdest thought just being sitting there reflecting and going wow i have a skull like real weird that's exactly and that's self-realization 
is the, and, uh, is the key. Yeah. Yeah. And then yesterday when I was meditating, I had a thought process that was going. Um, so when I had started meditating again, I was down here in the basement and then yesterday I meditated up in bed. And then when I was, I had a really hard time when I started back up and then I had this like thought process that was going, that was like, and this almost gets semi religious in this thought process that does where you meditate matter are the closer to ground you are the more grounded you are to the earth and i was like when i had a hard time meditating i was in the basement i was literally below the earth now i'm on the second floor of my house floating above the earth what would happen and i mean it's snowing outside right now but if i sat on the grass and meditated uh, on the earth. And I think that, you know, part of that comes from, I know I was personally raised in a culture of pop culture that was super earth focused in the nineties, like final fantasy seven had this whole thing about the earth captain planet, even like the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. It, we had a very like protect the earth based culture in the nineties for a while. Agreed. I, that was definitely, definitely my favorite decade of my growing up. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, so that's the constant stimulation, Jake, that's the problem these days. And that's, and we've, our brains are so used to that. How do you unplug it? So that's device, deviceless nights, turn off, turn off all devices at night for one night a week, you know, start there. How do you how do you step away from this busy, crazy world we live in? Because it's it's very hard to have a peace of mind as it's as you're looking for. Difficult, and I can tell when you I can tell you when you do hit a good meditation, time moves differently. It's like slow while you're meditating, but I set a timer for how long to go. And when you come out of it, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that was five minutes. It moved so fast, but yet it moved so slow when I was in the meditation. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm actually probably going to reread the last two chapters of that book because that was the more philosophical section of the book. And it was a heavier inner intellectual read but overall i even spoke on this book in the last podcast i highly recommend it he talks about like jobs and what we do as jobs become more automated you know do we do a universal basic income what does that even mean how do we tackle that not only on a national level but a global level he talks about nationalism versus global economy it's a very hefty read on the downfalls of what could happen over the next hundred years for us. And we're 21 years into the 21st century. Accelerating towards that point. Oh yeah. That's the thing. I mean, knowing he wrote this in 2018 and going, some of his predictions are like just thought processes are already coming true, especially like around the fake news chapters and how these thought processes form. I'm like, He's describing how QAnon came to be in the year QAnon came to be. Just absolutely amazing. I may have to check that out. Well, with that, it's been fun talking on this. Do you have any pluggables? I do. Uh, I have a couple shows I'd like to plug. One you are part of as well. So we do. Uh, let me start with this, the top of it. Let's talk about DFAT Entertainment our new podcast network featuring many shows from different genres. So check it out at defententertainment.com. And so Jake and I, we do Star Warriors podcast, which is a roundtable discussion of all things Star Wars. So check that out. And also my friend Casey and I, who've been doing diff- Don't Forget a Towel for the last nine years, we have a podcast called Towel I Talk. And that's the weekly to bi-weekly geek news. I mean, we got that. We got Star Warriors. I got Bull and Moose. I've got Campfire Chats. Um, I've been writing book reviews for your website. I've got one lined up and another one coming shortly. 
Um, but they won't be out till about the July time frame, both of those. I'm also thinking of taking those book reviews as in bonus episodes on Campfire Chat and doing audio book reviews just myself. Uh, so check that out. And I'm going to try to get some more writings out this year, but we'll see how that goes. That's lower on the list of priorities right now. With that, I always end on a quote, and I actually grabbed one from uh, Christian Piccolini um, because I thought this was super relevant. Um, We have to look at white supremacists differently, not as monsters, but as broken men and women who are capable of doing monstrous things. I am proof that people can change. We have to be careful not to treat these folks as enemies who can't be saved. If we do that, we'll create more of them which I think in this episode we've condemned a little bit, but at the same time, we've also addressed the fact that it's an educational issue. You know, we've condemned the beliefs, but that does not mean the people are not redeemable. That's, that's the most important thing you just said right there. It's, these are still people uh, and you can only hope for the best uh, when it comes to, the future. So let's all work together to try to do better. I agree. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Thanks for having me, Jake. Peace.